That was good. That was a really good episode. Welcome back to That Shit is Poison, episode 15, Woo-woo. with your host, Harini Bhatt, and Megan Gesner, the other host. <laughs> I never know how to follow that. <laughs> we, we should we should just go back and forth, so that way like you can lead. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Should lead you should lead my episodes, and I should lead your episodes. Ooh, okay. You heard uh, it here. First, Poison Pals, we are giving each other feedback as we record. <laughs> <laughs> this may or may not be cut out, yeah. whatever. Okay, but that's a good idea. I do like that. Yeah. Okay. Next time. Sounds good. Yeah. Next time. Cool. 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 Uh, I do have a topic for discussion. So I'm currently at my my brother and Swetha's place. I see all the Kobe memorabilia. Memorabilia. That's the word. Yeah. 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 My brother is a huge fan of Kobe. He looks like Kobe. So there's a lot going on here. And there's anyways. So I'm recording from my brother and Swetha's place. And we were just having dinner. My brother literally starts the conversation like, I have two topics of discussion. Very similar. We are read <laughs> the same way. Yeah. And he's like, my first one is about Army Hammer. Megan, have you heard of Army Hammer? Yes, Harini. I have been following the Army Hammer saga. I'm curious to hear what your brother has to say, and then I can tell you my thoughts. <laughs> okay, cool. Because, I mean, all right. So if for anyone that isn't aware, Army Hammer, there's there are some girls that he's been dating, or one of the women he dated released some pictures of some text messages that implied that he's into cannibalism and of Mm -hmm. course that was like a huge shock as cannibalism is not you know looked favorably in society (laughs) nor should it be and so it's just been like this whole saga as Megan has said but and I thought I knew everything there was to know about what was going on but then my brother told me today it must have been a reddit article but he told me today Mm. that there was an article that surfaced about army hammer about two years ago but it really just like Mm -hmm. flew under the radar because army hammer was just at the top of his career Mm. and also it wasn't like from a like a website or an author that a lot of people knew Mm -hmm. and so i don't know it just like flew under the radar anyways so this article essentially stated that army hammer is the most prolific unknown serial killer what there is yes okay this is news to me tell me more about this i did not know about this article that is all i know (laughs) that's all you know okay yeah while i haven't heard of this article alleging that army hammer has actually killed and eaten people I have been following this whole situation. Admittedly, I originally heard about it through trash tabloids such as the Daily Mail. But I was definitely fascinated because, uh, weirdly, I had finally just watched Call Me By Your Name during this quarantine. And so I definitely had a brief obsession with Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet. Um, because it's such a beautiful film. So I, it was just like weird timing that all the stuff about his cannibalism and BDSM fetishes were coming out since I had just watched that movie. But yeah, ultimately my thoughts on it were, you know, it's one thing to kink shame, which I'm never a fan of. I truly believe kink shaming actually causes more harm to those who are struggling with dealing with their extreme fetish. That being said, it's become pretty apparent that it this whole situation goes beyond his extreme fetishisms. It's, you know, there's definitely an issue of consent and there's actual violence being played out. Ultimately, I'm like, man, what are we going to do with these celebrities? I mean, I don't know. Obviously, not every celebrity is like that. But yeah, it's speaking truthfully. I'm like, it's a damn shame. It's shitty that these women had to go through that. You know, power to these women for coming forward and, and speaking out. I, I looked oh, up go the yeah. article. It's not much of an article, truly. But it's kind of been blowing up on Reddit, essentially, that they think that he might be some sort of serial killer because he eats people and he's flown under the radar because no one has come forward because he's eaten them. Um. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God. And so I'm like, I don't know how much weight I want to give this article. Obviously, this is all super, super alleged and like just rumors flying after rumors. The only reason I bring it up is because this is also a true crime podcast as well as a toxicology podcast. So I was like, oh, 
this might be interesting to bring up. No, no truth in it whatsoever, as far as we know. Yeah, for sure. Well, well, thank you for sharing that. I have not heard about that article. I think this is a good segue into the story that I'll do because, oh, okay. You know, when we, how do I, how do I explain this the best way that I can, <laughs> the most mindful way? The story that I'm going to do today is about a celebrity a celebrity that was alive during our time when you know we have lived when this celebrity lived sort of thing mm-hmm. and one thing that i came across in her story is that deaths for celebrities typically are sensationalized and it makes me really uncomfortable and it yeah. because of like you know someone died and I am coming fresh out of research of seeing all these tabloid articles about why she died and like mm-hmm. here might be potential causes and it's just so sensationalized that when you talk about that article about army hammer potentially being a serial killer admittedly i get uncomfortable because i'm like yeah i can handle the accusations of like a bunch of women coming forward saying like he was aggressive with them i can handle that in a sense of like i feel that that is valid and real but <laughs> but like when someone is outright saying they are killing these people and that's why people aren't speaking up I get nervous because I'm like, yeah, that is very sensational. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's true. I don't want to push a harmful narrative. Anyway, so I'm struggling with how can I be a responsible journalist is all. That's all I'm <laughs> yeah, trying to yeah, say. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> On that note, then, Megan, yeah. why don't you go ahead and pick your poison? Yes. Okay. So today I will actually be talking about the late Brittany Murphy mm. and her death. Mm-hmm. And all the kind of theories behind her passing and speculation, how this ties into poison is one of the theories around her death is that she died due to toxic mold in her house. And so I kind of wanted to go into a little bit of that. Yeah. And I am going to kind of ruin the surprise (laughs) at the beginning, just so people know what they're getting into (laughs) when you listen. (laughs) But as of today, there's actually no evidence that toxic mold was in her house slash was the cause of why she died Mm -hmm. that being said i think it's to me personally i think it's probably one of the better theories in my opinion from what i've read but again like there's no written evidence like no evidence of it so yeah, we're going to talk about Brittany Murphy right. and the legacy that she left behind and her, her final days. Okay, I'm I'm ready for this because I actually don't, I know that she passed. Yeah. I don't know like anything else besides that. Okay. And I do remember you saying this before, so I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, also, mm-hmm. people have been messaging me on Reddit mm-hmm. and being like, we love the podcast and we have a story we want you to do. Like they'll send me links mm. of stuff. Yeah. That's super cool. That's really cool. But anyways, just so you guys know, we've been getting a lot of great feedback from our Reddit friends, our Poison Pals on Reddit, and otherwise uh, who have been reaching out to us with really awesome ideas for the podcast. And we hear you and they're definitely going to be added to the docket. And we will definitely be doing those episodes. So sit tight because it's coming down the pipeline. Yeah. Anyways, everyone, sit back and relax. Grab your favorite potion, poison, drink of choice, beverage, all of the above, because Megan is about to regale us with another story for this week. So, Megan, take it away. Yes. So, I will be talking about Brittany Murphy. I'm going to start with a little bio about her, and then we'll go into kind of her final days before her ultimate passing, which was on December 20th of 2009. Mm. That's my brother's birthday. (laughs) Yeah. And before I do that, I want to share my sources. So what's always interesting about celebrity research and death, deaths and things like that, I honestly find it really hard to come across credible sources Mm. about that celebrity. And and when I say credible, I mean, like a lot of the sources that that I used are more the entertainment side of celebrity storytelling. So while I'm proud to say I didn't use like E! Online or Daily <laughs> Mail, I, I did use Huffington mm-hmm. Post, which is kind of, it could go either way, depending on who's writing the story. But I do like Huffington Post. So Me like, too, I yeah. mean, I kind of have biases yeah. there. Vice, I feel similarly, I mean... I think they do good journalism, Mm -hmm. but again, it's still like to me, I put that in the entertainment category, but the CDC website, Medical News Today, Wikipedia, of course, this one I kind of relied on heavily (laughs) for this time, autopsyfiles.org. I'll actually be reading directly from her autopsy, the American Lung Association, Cleveland Clinic, Mayo Clinic, and Slate. Damn, girl. So 
Yeah, those are my sources. So the reason why I chose Brittany Murphy is I knew that she had passed. And I actually remember the news when she had passed. It was 2009. So I would have been, I can do math, 14. (laughs) I was 14. Yeah. So I, I do remember seeing the reports like on CNN. I remember sitting in our living room slash kitchen because, you know, our kitchen and living room is like one whole room, essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, watching the TV and it was, yeah, Brittany Murphy passed away. And I think I remember this moment because I had just watched Uptown Girls. Oh, uh... And mind you, Uptown Girls actually came out quite a few years mm-hmm. before her passing. Mm-hmm. But I'm just always behind the curve with like pop culture. Yeah. So and we were young. Yeah, we were yeah. young too. I think my parents were, I mean, they were kind of pick pick and choose with how strict <laughs> they were with like movie ratings. Yeah. But yeah, Uptown Girls was PG-13 yeah. and I was just 14. So I don't know, maybe they were like, just watch it when you're older, right, right. Yeah, so that's why I kind of, I remember her death. And I don't know why I had started thinking about her again during the last few months I think I wanted to remind myself, you know, you guys ever have a moment in time where you're like, I remember this event, but I just want to research the details mm-hmm. because I never really thought about it in yeah, depth. Absolutely. That's what happened with me and Brittany Murphy. Okay. Like, <laughs> I thought about her and was like, I really want to look into her in yeah. depth. Like this was totally aside from the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, what happened mm-hmm. to her? And I kind of was under the impression that, oh, maybe it was like a drug related death because as sick as this sounds i feel like that time period in the 2000s mm-hmm. there were a lot of celebrity deaths due to like drug intoxication yeah, true and maybe that's just because my my young mind at the time kind of bleeds all those things together mm-hmm. but it was like you know heath ledger yeah. Brittany murphy philip seymour hoffman mm-hmm. maybe some other examples but yeah so so I was under the impression that maybe she had a drug induced or drug intoxication related that's death. honestly what i thought too Yeah. And then as I was kind of digging just very shallowly, I saw something pop up of toxic mold was to blame for Mm. her death. And then I was like, what? Like, let me look into this more. I can't even tell you what the source was that I was looking at. But the source was pretty much implying like toxic mold had made her sick Mm -hmm. and it caused her to get pneumonia. And she ended up taking a lot of over-the-counter prescription drugs, Mm. like over-the-counter drugs, like cold medicines, Mm -hmm. things like that, which she was already in such a weakened state because of the pneumonia, like the the cocktail of all these prescribed pills or cough medicine or whatever ended up being the reason why she passed. Oh, really? And this is just, this was at the time me just shallowly looking into that. So so now I'm going to tell you what I've learned since the hen, Mm -hmm. which is okay. According to the chief medical examiner assistant, her cause of death is actually pneumonia, severe anemia, and prescription drug overdose. But I think overdose is an unfair word to say. I don't know the actual medical term. It's Mm -hmm. basically like she just had so much cough medicine, flu medicine, all these sort of medicines you would take to make yourself feel better if you had like a cough or a fever that just led to her whole body fatigue. Yeah. Maybe it sounds like I mean, I don't know, but it could be a situation where her renal function was declining and she may have just like taken so much cough medicine that it was just accumulating in her body and her just kidneys weren't able to clear it out as quickly as it normally does. And it just like, yeah, sitting in her body. And that's also not good. Right. So there's I kind of jumped into it super quickly. So I'm going to do a little bit of backtracking because there's also some like other external factors that I'm like, this could have definitely attributed to her body fatigue so Brittany murphy she was 32 when she passed away so very Mm -hmm. young she would be 44 today i did that math pretty much like earlier and i was like how old would she be today Mm -hmm. she would be 44 today and so according to the police emt report i don't know which one Mm -hmm. reports this but basically on that morning of december 20th 2009 she had collapsed in her bathroom her mother and her husband at the time were both there in the house and found her collapsed in the shower they tried to kind of wake her up by splashing water on her in the shower they noticed that she had some vomit coming out of her mouth just a little bit they ended up calling an ambulance the ambulance came they tried to resuscitate her to no avail Mm -hmm. she was actually transported to cedar sinai Mm -hmm. hospital basically even though she collapsed at home she was technically still alive just unresponsive transported to cedar sinai 
and was declared dead at 10.05 a.m. after going into a cardiac arrest. Oh, shoot. So that is the whole sequence of the moment of her death. People were obviously very shocked. Her autopsy, which has also been confirmed by her husband, Mm -hmm. who I'm going to talk about more later, her husband and her mom, they did confirm about seven to 10 days prior, Brittany was experiencing like symptoms of illness or fever. Mm -hmm. And she was very fatigued. So the mom did note like, oh, I remember she was having a hard time breathing. But we were just like, here, just take medicine, take this cough medicine. Etc. She there's even like a quote where it was like she remembers Brittany going out to the balcony and being like, Mom, I can't breathe. And then her mom just being like, drink some tea. The medical examiner, after doing her autopsy, did comment she had pneumonia Mm -hmm. and they were like, We honestly think that if she had just admitted herself to the hospital, this all could have been prevented. Absolutely. Yeah. What's interesting about her death is there is a lot of speculation around it. Actually, there was a theories that there was some foul play involved. Mm. Her dad believed that she didn't die of natural causes. Her dad believes that she was poisoned. That's another reason why I wanted to look into her story. Dude, what if she had COVID? Dude. And like, we didn't know. At the we time. didn't know at the time. Like she was she was like patient zero. Whoa. You know? Okay. Yeah. I'm just like dicking around here, but I obviously don't know if she did or not, but I'm just thinking like shortness of breath, like not being able to breathe, pneumonia. Those were all like how a very serious case of COVID presents. Yeah. That's very interesting. And that huh. shit is poison. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good theory. It's like, this is where I'm like, I wish I had a time machine. Okay. So, so looking at her story alone, the circumstances around her death, I'm like, It could very well be the case that she did just so happen to get pneumonia from just whatever. You tell me, Harini. Like you, Mm -hmm. you can just contract pneumonia. Like it can just happen, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It can develop at at any point for various reasons. Yeah. Right. Right. So looking at her story alone, I would see that and like look at what the medical examiner said and be like, yeah, it's just like a a sad circumstance of she had a very severe. She was very Mm -hmm. sick. And she ended up not getting the help she needed on time. And she ended up deteriorating and passed away. But here's why her story is so contested, essentially, is because her husband, whose name is Simon Monjack, died for the same exact causes only five months later. What the hell? So his autopsy report states the same thing. He died of pneumonia and, get this, severe anemia as well. So people found that extremely suspicious. Like, how did two people die of the same exact cause? And that's why that theory of toxic mold is so prevalent, because they obviously were sharing the same house, sharing the same bedroom. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. That's true. And here's what's interesting. The reason why, for example, why her father thinks that she may have been poisoned or something is because, well, one, during the time after her passing, when her husband and her mother were still kind of dealing with the aftermath, they did two significant interviews where Simon and her mom acted a little bit weird, to be honest. Like, I, I watched these interviews and... There's one interview they do with Larry mm-hmm. King, who rests in peace, yep. just passed away, yep. actually. They did an interview with Larry King, and Larry King goes, so I understand that you didn't want an autopsy done of Britney. And Simon replies with just kind of a bizarre answer. And he's like, I'm going to mm-hmm. paraphrase. Yep. But he basically was like, no, I wouldn't want her to be cut open. Like, I don't want her body to be defaced yeah, in yeah. some way, like, like violated. But he uses the terms, he goes, I couldn't imagine that happening to her body with curves in all the right places and her glowing skin. Something what like that. The fuck? Okay. No, that seriously. That sounds like, like a Ed Sheeran song. Well, <laughs> what is he trying to do? So this is a real interview. If you, if you want to look up that interview, type in yeah, Simon Monjack and Sharon Murphy. That's her mom. Larry King interview. Simon is not famous, is he? He's not like a celebrity as well. He was a screenwriter in Hollywood, okay. but I don't think he was, you know, super well known, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, popularity wise. Like, I think people knew about him in the industry, but he wasn't right. as prolific, I guess you could say. Basically, they have interviews. 
they even do a kind of like a walkthrough of the house after Britney had passed. Okay. And that's even a little bit weird. He just acts weird. And this is me going back to I want to be a responsible journalist here. I'm like, his wife just died. A lot of people comment that he was a weird guy and a little bit suspect. There's even a dis- Discovery ID quick documentary about her death where they kind of attack who Simon was, mm-hmm. essentially. Okay. And in my head, I'm like, you know, this guy is dead. I never knew yeah. him. I know that all of my information about him, I'm getting through like these third parties who are kind of talking shit about him. I will admit that his interviews are very bizarre, but I honestly don't think he could have been responsible for her death, especially since he died as well five months later. With, like the same exact thing, yeah. Yeah, for the exact same thing. Wait, just looked up Simon Monjack because I like to put a visual to things. Yes. I'm a visual learner. Yes. And there are obviously pictures of him and Brittany Murphy together, but then yes. there are a lot of pictures of Simon Monjack with Sharon Murphy, Brittany Murphy's mom, yeah. and they look like they're a couple. Yeah. So this is also another theory and it is alleged. It's good that it's all addressed because if you are like me and just on your own want to look into this Brittany Murphy story, you're going to hear about everything I already just said. But yes, after she passed, it was alleged that her mother and Simon were having an affair. There is another bizarre interview where at the time of Simon's passing, Sharon Murphy is asked like, she was actually the first responder. So Sharon Murphy was there when Simon passed. Sharon Murphy actually lived in their house with Brittany and Simon. Mm -hmm. And there's some interview asks like, oh, no, no, it wasn't an an interview. It was the medical examiner asked her these questions. Okay. Yeah, it was like the medical examiner or someone who was part of the investigation was like, what happened? Like, tell Mm -hmm. us what happened. Okay, so you were here in the room. And she said something like, yes, you know, I have been here comforting him. And we share the same bed. Stuff like that. Commenting on like their closeness. And she's like, since Brittany has passed, we've been here to comfort each other. And it's definitely the article that I read definitely is implying that this is a raised eyebrow right. moment. Like, why are they sharing the mm-hmm. same bed? Also, the the medical examiner noted that some of the prescription drugs had Sharon's name on it, but had the last name Monjack. So it's so like Sharon Monjack on it, like a fake name, but it was like a combination name of hers and Simon's. What? And like, yeah, just kind of like weird stuff. Interesting. <laughs> so it's a good question. And yeah, listeners, if you go and go and look into this yourself you will see all the sensationalized aspects which is this implication that the mom and simon were having an affair perhaps when britney was alive or after she Mm -hmm. died i don't know how to feel about that i honestly am neutral i think it's irrelevant if they did have an affair at all yeah because it's just irrelevant in terms of how both of them passed in my opinion unless she poisoned them both Right. So unless unless the theory is that she poisoned them both, but I actually do not believe that theory. And that's because there's proof that Brittany and her mom were super, super close. I mean, I was never there to live with them. Like, I never observed them first person. But from what I've read, Brittany's parents divorced when she was about two years old. And she immediately lived with her mother for like the rest of her life. And her mom was the one who supported her to go to Hollywood and like pursue her career. There's interviews of Britney just kind of like, my mom's my everything, you know, saying like, my mom is the one who let me become part of this great world and entertainment. She's my everything. Only glowing words in public interviews, at least. So that's why I feel like very much, I highly doubt that the mother killed... I, I don't even want to yeah, say it because like you don't I believe just, it. I, I don't want to sensationalize anything. But yeah, like I don't think the mom had any foul play hand in this. Got it. I don't think so either. That's why yeah. I kind of I know you haven't gone into all the theories yet, but already yeah. I already see why you feel like the mold theory fits best. But yeah. continue. <laughs> yeah, totally. The one more bit of information that I felt was important mm-hmm was that during her last years of her life, her career actually was starting to plateau a little bit. So obviously, we know that Brittany Murphy 
became like a powerhouse name when she was featured in Clueless. Like that was her big break. Clueless, she played Ty. After that, she was in Eight Mile. And then she was, which is another Mm -hmm, huge hit. mm -hmm. Then she was in a few very successful romantic comedies like Uptown Girl. And I mean, Uptown Girl, you could argue, is not a romantic comedy. It's more like coming of age. Just Married with Ashton Kutcher. She was in Sin City. She did a lot of voice acting work, too. She's the cousin... What's her name on King of the Hill? Oh, I don't know. That's <laughs> I should know. She was cousin Luann, Luann. the blonde girl <laughs> that just hangs out at um, Hank Hill's house. Anyway, she did voicing in Happy Feet. Okay. She had a pretty good career early 2000s, yeah. like a nice burst of very popular films. And then at some point that started to kind of flatline a little bit. And the industry immediately was like, oh, her career has flatlined because of, they kind of blamed Simon. They blamed Simon for being like a an influence in her life. I would think so, yeah. People just felt like Simon was a weird guy. He was known for having like a lot of debt mm, and things like it. that. And people just kind of put their own narrative on their relationship. They're like, oh, Simon's controlling. Mm. He's the one that controls her career and her money, blah, blah, blah. I don't see any value in that. I, I'm just telling you like that is what people yeah, said. yeah. The other thing was people started to speculate like, oh, she was doing hard drugs. So the reason why people started speculating that is because later in the 2000s, you'll notice that she does kind of reduce in physical mm-hmm, body mm-hmm. size pretty significantly. Like if you look at photos of her from all the way in, I think, mm-hmm. 98 for Clueless to later 2000s, she gets really small. Like she's very petite, very slim yeah. woman. And what I learned is that while people accuse, oh, she's doing, she's a hardcore heroin addict. That was Mm -hmm. a rumor. She's doing a lot of crack cocaine. That was a rumor. She always, whenever asked this, she always was like very adamant, like, no, I've never done any of that. Right. What I suspect led to her extreme weight loss was her mom in an interview did say that Brittany actually was diabetic and that it's possible that she had a very severe eating disorder called diabulimia, which is where women, typically women who are diabetic, they actually withhold insulin like they don't give themselves their insulin shot because they think it's like injecting fat into their body. Wow. They literally actually won't inject the insulin that they Mm -hmm. need. They think it adds weight to them, which I mean, in some way, yes, because it's like it's keeping your body stable. But people with this particular bulimia, when they don't inject that insulin, they shed the pounds like so fast. That's so interesting. I've never heard of that before. Wow. Yeah. And so I actually think that that's very oh, likely yeah. for yeah. Brittany. I think that she probably did have an eating mm. disorder and that when we go back to her death, I mean, leaving out the toxic mold right. aspect, but going back to her death, if someone like her, who was already super frail, yeah. a diabetic who was super underweight, got pneumonia and then was like just putting all these over-the-counter drugs into her body to just like help fight off this severe infection that's gonna have an that's gonna have an outcome that's not yeah i mean just right off the top of my head i'm like having diabetes that is uh autoimmune disease so you are in Mm -hmm. a sense if you want to look at that way immunocompromised if you are not treating it appropriately with the right medications and so on and so forth i'm assuming she had type 1 diabetes if she was already taking insulin Mm -hmm. at that time so that is very serious in the sense that it's really important that you are giving yourself the insulin that your body needs. Right. So for her to not take the insulin and then on top of that have bulimia, if that was the case, if you're like depriving your body of so many nutrients and just the things that your body needs to just survive and function on a day-to-day level. And mm-hmm. if you're already immunocompromised because of the diabetes, that just welcomes a whole host of issues, including pneumonia. So I wouldn't be surprised that happened. On top of that, I was just kind of ruminating as you were speaking now about the cough medicines that she was taking. Most over-the-counter cough medicines, if you go to the pharmacy right now and you go and look at, you know, NyQuil, Delsum, like Mucinex, they all are just a variation of the same three to four ingredients, quite Mm -hmm. honestly, just like in various strengths and doses. Most of them will contain some level of Tylenol or acetaminophen because Tylenol brings your fever down. But if you drink too much of that, you can overdose on it. And a lot of people don't realize that because they think, oh, it's over the counter, like it's safe. 
So I do feel like it could have been a thing where she didn't realize how much she was ingesting of those ingredients and it just took her body to the edge. Yeah. So on that note, I'm going to read the part of her autopsy report that talks about all the prescription drugs that were in her system. Yeah. And Harini, because you're the pharmacologist on this side, please let me know your thoughts after. Absolutely. I'm like, when I was researching all this, I actually was like, this is going to be an episode where Harini, you can come and like help me out understand like yeah. what all this means. So here's the part of the autopsy report. So it goes, the second contributory factor is a multiple drug intoxication. Multiple medications were present in the blood with elevated levels of hydrocodone, acetaminophen, and chlorpheniramine. And L-methamphetamine was also present. It's very purposeful in the language that this was all non-illicit drugs. And then it goes on. It says, it should be noted that the pattern of use of these medications suggests treatment of symptoms of a cold or other respiratory infection. Acetaminophen and hydrocodone are components of Vicodin. Mm. Chlorpheniramine is the active ingredient in some over-the-counter medications. Like Claritin, it's, it's, it's like an allergy medication. Yeah. L-methamphetamine is a component of some inhalers. It should be noted that L-methamphetamine is not an illegal drug. Street methamphetamine is a D-methamphetamine. Mm-hmm. None of this or any other illegal drug was detected. L-methamphetamine is not as active as the D-isomer, but still has physiological effects. The possible adverse physiological effects of elevated levels of these medications cannot be discounted, especially in her weakened state. Therefore, the manner of death is accident. So there's that. And then I real quick, I just want to say, you know, the other reason why I genuinely 100% believe that she never did heroin or hard drugs is because, well, injectionable drugs is because they found no track marks on her body. And that's also in the autopsy report. There's like there's no sign of track marks. Mm -hmm. There's no sign of illicit drug abuse. Gotcha. So I will say, though, that the hydrocodone and the acetaminophen, Vicodin, that's a opioid, as people will know, controlled substance. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure why she was prescribed that. I don't mm. know if you have that information, but that's not necessarily something you would give for pneumonia. That's, that's the only thing. And I was also surprised she wasn't. Well, I was going to say I was surprised she wasn't given antibiotics, but then I just realized she didn't never went to the hospital or sought out medical attention. Exactly. So. Part of me thinks, and this is where, like, you can tell me if this is the right application for Vicodin, but one of the other reasons listed by the coroner of her cause of death is anemia. She does have a history. Apparently, she had very, very severe menstruation, like heavy, heavy bleeding, Mm -hmm. um, also known as menorrhagia. Menorrhagia, yeah menorrhagia which is heavy menstrual bleeding and so they suspect that she was actually anemic because of this or like part of her anemia was because of this probably in conjunction with the fact that she was underweight sort of thing that makes sense for her but not her husband so yeah so that's where i'm like okay we're going (laughs) full circle we're missing something huge here exactly so we're going full circle like again if you look at her death alone to me, it's like, okay, I can see this as being a non-mystery, right? Like, it all makes sense. Everything kind of lines up, all the jigsaw pieces. Correct. So then when you find out that her husband, Simon, dies of the same exact reason five months later, that's why it's like, what? Like, it's, it's even the medical examiner assistant was like, it is rare for that to happen. Huh. I'm going to go to actually Simon's autopsy report real quick. Wait, I forgot. Did you know why she was given the Vicodin? No. So Vicodin isn't used for cramps? Oh, that's like really intense. Unless she was having like really mind numbing cramps, Mm. then yeah, I guess you would give an opioid. But usually an ibuprofen will do the trick because it's like period cramps. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure about the Vicodin. There's many parts to an autopsy report. I've Mm -hmm. read one breakdown of the toxicology side. I'll read you the first paragraph of the actual circumstances. That's like the opening of the report. And like, what was documented on the day of her death. So here we go. 32-year-old female has a history of diabetes and had been previously hospitalized for an episode of hypoglycemia. Mm. She had complained of shortness of breath and abdominal pain for 7 to 10 days prior to her day of death. There is no history of alcohol or drug abuse. Handling detectives report a history of mitral valve prolapse. So she had heart issues. 
information from family members indicates a history of very heavy menstrual bleeding, mm-hmm. menorrhagia, accompanied by cramps. Mm. There is also an anecdotal report regarding a trip to Puerto Rico approximately six weeks prior, during which her mother and husband became ill, but the decedent herself did not. Current medications include biaxin, in parentheses, clarithromycin. Clarithromycin, yeah. Floxetine. Floxetine is an antidepressant. Okay. Hydrocodone, clonopin, topamax, propanolol. Propanolol, yeah. And methylprednisolone. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Do you know your drugs, basically? Yeah. Yes. That was what was found. But she, she had all of that at her house? Yeah, as her current medication. Wow, that's a lot of shit. But the report later says they found proof of these chemicals, essentially, that would be found in Vicodin, yeah, yeah. for example. But that's not listed as her current medication. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, just so, right off the bat, I just want to say I agree with what Megan said, that she did not abuse drugs. Because if they already have it mm-hmm. in the tox report, they definitely do a tox screening and do a drug screening for anything across the yeah. board that could have contributed. And if they ruled that out, then that's that's that, you know? Yeah. Because obviously she wasn't planning on dying that day and then getting a tox screen from somebody, right? If she really right. was abusing drugs. So I think that is yeah. definitely out of the picture. Everything else that she's taking is very interesting. And I don't know off the top of my head, but I guarantee you that we don't know how she was taking them or what she currently had in her house and was actively taking. But a lot of those, I'm sure, interact with each other in various such ways because those are all very like legit drugs. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. Yeah. 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 They, yeah. They, they're not just like, oh, like you take it every once in a while, you know, like, yeah, they all have like their slew of side effects. Yeah. Tell me, Harini, isn't there a rule kind of like in the world of drugs and pharmacology that on some level combining drugs could I mean could lead to a negative outcome I'm putting Mm -hmm. that very very in the most basic way as possible but like tell me in your education what do they tell you about for example like all these drugs that were just listed Mm -hmm. is there a rule like a hard and fast rule for all drugs across the spectrum like at some point you shouldn't be combining every single thing yeah that's a great question and no not really like also just being a human you can't be taking like 100 drugs at once like that's just not yeah. like unless like you're trying to kill yourself or something like that but right, the right. most i've honestly seen are like 15 to 20 drugs at once and most of those patients are like either like you know on chemotherapy agents or they're like a transplant patient and they need to take a bunch of medications to make sure that their newly grafted organ does not re- their body does not reject that new organ that they have in their bodies but what she is on like it just seems like an accumulation of things that she may have just like picked up through the years but to Mm -hmm. answer your question no there is no hard and fast rule there are hard and fast rules in the sense of there's something called contraindications meaning that certain Mm -hmm. drugs you absolutely cannot take with some other drugs right and i think you know doctors understand that for sure pharmacists have to understand that as part of their job or there's something called a drug interaction where like they interact with each other but sometimes there's loop arounds where you can separate the two medications like you can take this one in the morning and then take the other one at night yeah i don't know if that answered your question (laughs) no it does it does um honestly i'm i'm like i'm unsatisfied i know simultaneously satisfied i knew the part about clearly there are a combo of drugs that should always be a no-no with certain certain drugs in my head i'm like the one thing i learned from my one drugs class in college (laughs) is anything combined with alcohol is a no-no right right there's definitely (laughs) a lot of that you know what i'm saying i'm gonna do this i'm gonna go on my fancy lexicomp thank you ucsf and I'm going to do a live drug interaction checker right now on the pod. Let's Ooh. figure it out once and for all, oh. guys. All right. It's happening live. So we've discussed what has happened with Brittany. Let's go into her husband's autopsy report. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have said this multiple times now, but the only reason why her death is so suspect is because the husband died of the same exact causes. And I think people were so suspect of it all. Well, okay. People were suspect of her death because they thought the husband and mother were being shady after Mm -hmm. she passed in these interviews and they thought that Simon was just a weird guy. But to me, again, I'm like, that's all irrelevant. Like, I don't think that has anything to do. That to me is just like sensationalism, Mm -hmm. plain and simple. Just because you're a weird dude does not mean you're out to kill your wife. Right, 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 right. 
who it seems like you, you caught that she was taking antidepressants. So like, I think she had a lot of things going on in her life that made her a very fragile person that if she were to get sick with pneumonia, it would just be very easy for her to succumb to that and, and fade yeah. away. Now going to her husband, he died in May, I believe of 2010. People were like, how is it possible that he could die of the same thing? They specifically were interested in the anemia yeah. listed as part of his death because if you look up photos right she's a very small petite Mm -hmm. woman who you could see like okay i can understand why she might be anemic you look at him and if you look at videos of him after her death he's a big dude like tall a little bit wider Mm -hmm. just like a bigger body that you wouldn't typically associate with anemia but if you look at his autopsy report And this is why I don't like sensationalist, you know, as entertaining as it might be, like, I just don't like that type of reporting because life. Yeah. People were so like, how could he have anemia, blah, blah. But like, okay, if you look at his autopsy report, it says anemia doesn't mean that you have to be skinny. Yeah. You don't have to be a certain weight to to be anemic. If you go into his autopsy report, I'm going to read the synopsis. It goes, the deceased is a 40 year old Caucasian male who reported to family of having a history of a, quote, leaky heart valve mm. requiring future triple bypass surgery, grand mal seizures as the result of a fall two and a half years ago, and a mild MI. Mm-hmm. That's a heart attack. Oh, okay. What does the MI stand Myocardial for? Myocardial infarction. Ah, okay. See, now I'm learning. Infarction <laughs> just means like death of like heart tissue, which is what a heart attack ah. is. So he had a mild heart attack in November of 2009, Mm. a a month before Brittany had passed. Deceased was reported by family to have had approximately nine bouts of pneumonia in the past year. Had had high fever, sweats, weakness, coughing, some syncopal episodes, vomiting and chest pain a day or two leading up to his death on May 23rd, 2010. Wow. And then it goes on to kind of like talk about how they found his body you know he was seemingly unresponsive he had emesis emitting from his mouth aka vomit was coming out of his mouth while he was in bed Mm. there's no obvious trauma found or foul play is not suspected and that's written in the synopsis so again going back to the whole anemia thing i'm like this guy had a history of heart problems which i don't know if that ties into anemia but i imagine it has some connection i mean harini you can tell me i think so also, anemia has been associated with some patients with pneumonia. Ah, okay. So yeah. those can also go hand in hand. I'm trying to look more into it. That's what I'm looking up, right? Yeah, because it says patients hospitalized with pneumonia may require red blood cell transfusions during their stay. Yeah. For our listeners, Harini and I have like a schedule when we record. We're supposed to schedule <laughs> record every Wednesday. This time around, I was like, oh, can we put it off? Like, I really want to get the, the information right. I want to make sure yep. everything's tied up, blah, blah, blah. And this is the reason why. Like what you're hearing right now and how Harini's helping me look into these things is why it took me so long to get it all together is because you don't get a lot of credible sources. And so I was like, I'd like to pursue this story from a very clinical mindset. Like, I don't want to look into people thinking that she was murdered unless there's like evidence that I feel is very strong there. When it came to like, okay, what are her prescription drugs? What is anemia and pneumonia? Like, how do they tie together? Mm -hmm. That's where it honestly took me so long to like look up these facts. So I appreciate Harini being here and like Google searching stuff literally as we talk (laughs) because like... I am not a medical professional and I can only make assumptions based on like the Mm -hmm. autopsy reports I'm reading from and stuff like that. So I definitely do think that the anemia was caused by the pneumonia as far as I can tell from like my very quick research. Mm. I have to like refresh myself on like, I mean, that's not like my area in terms of diagnosis of pneumonia, but it is associated with anemia and red blood cell transfusion is something that Mm. can or that might be needed. This makes me think more and more that it could be a mold like yeah. I agree with you. Like, yeah. what what else did they have a link in common? Nine bouts of pneumonia, like that's not normal. Right. And I just also what I want to say that was very interesting. I, I did the drug interaction checker. Mm-hmm. You mentioned clonopin. So mm-hmm. there's two medications that she's taking that were of interest to me. So mm-hmm. clonopin and the topamax. Mm-hmm. Topamax is also topiramate. Clonopin is also clonazepam, benzodiazepine. Both of them are CNS depressants, and both of them are used to treat seizures mm-hmm. or seizure disorders. 
and also like anxiety, like severe panic disorder and things like that. That is also something that was in line with her husband, Simon, as well, correct? Like he also suffered from a seizure or something like that, you said? Yeah. So I wonder, that's so bizarre. Like they're they're even experiencing the same issues, which is very unusual that they both have seizures. And I wonder, like I'm trying to look up because I'm not familiar with the signs and symptoms of a seizure, but I do feel like you can vomit, but mm. I, I'm not entirely certain. Because yeah. I know they both had like the emesis yeah. um, coming out of their mouth. So just yeah. like very weird s- similarities between the two. Very weird. And so so let's get into the theory about toxic mold being the cause. Because that was like yeah. the last part of my research of like, okay, if I'm going to pursue this theory, let's see if it really is disproved or if there's some weight there despite autopsy reports stating there technically was no fungal proof in either of their lungs. So kind of like jumping ahead. But when they both end up passing away with the same reasons of natural cause, pneumonia, anemia, even for Simon, there was also like this context of he was also taking a lot of prescription drugs, just like a cocktail of them. And that was also kind of added into his autopsy report. Like this was also potentially a reason why he passed. So after they both passed, Sharon Murphy, Brittany's mom, she actually originally denied the idea of it being toxic mold in the house. I think there was an article I read where the group within Los Angeles that handles like housing and development sort of thing. Yep. There was a statement from them saying like, you know, there's a chance there could have been mold in the house. Basically, okay. that's it. These officials were saying there's a chance there could be mold. Maybe that's something that could be explored. At the time, Sharon Murphy was like, that's preposterous. That doesn't seem like something that I think is real. So she denied that at the time. In 2011, though, she changed her tune and was like, wait, I think we should really look into this toxic mold Hmm. idea slash theory. So that's when she actually started pushing for, we need to look at the house. She wanted to actually sue the developers. She wanted to sue her lawyers who previously talked her out of pursuing the toxic mold theory, stuff like that. So basically, when it first was brought up, she wasn't really in that corner. And then now that's something she really stands by to this day. She believes in the toxic mold theory. So this is from Paradigm Change. It's a blog for information about the role of mold toxins and chronic illness. Hmm. It's called Paradigm Change. Here's the history. At first, the idea that toxic mold had been involved in the deaths appeared to be dismissed by all concerned. The coroner stated that the involvement of mold had been considered and ruled out, and Brittany Murphy's mother, Sharon Murphy, called the idea absurd. Mold was ruled out in their autopsy wow. reports. Okay. okay? As someone who wants to just follow, like, facts, that's where I'm stumped by this mystery. Right. But I'll continue. Okay. <laughs> It goes, a few years later, after consulting with professionals while working on selling the house, Sharon Murphy stated that she had changed her mind and that she had come to believe that toxic mold may have been a factor in their deaths. Mm -hmm. Brittany Murphy purchased the home in 2003 from singer Britney Spears. Yeah, (laughs) it was located at the bottom of a steep hill in Hollywood Hills. Mm -hmm. Murphy had frequently stated that she disliked the house and wished she didn't have to spend time in it. And Monjack had investigated whether mold might have been the problem in the home prior to Murphy's death. Monjack had suffered from frequent seizures, asthma, and sleep apnea while living in the home. And Sharon Murphy acquired breast cancer and debilitating neuropathy while living hmm. there. Brittany Murphy had been taking migraine medication, clonopin, and Prozac in addition to the medication for the respiratory infection while living there. In the documentary, Simon Monjack's mother, Linda Monjack, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Brittany Murphy's mother-in-law, mm-hmm. stated about the home, When I walked through the door, there was no air ventilation whatsoever. Ugh. The windows were breaking down from mold. <gasps> this was a place of unhealthiness. It didn't feel right. The actual bedroom itself, where they both spent so much time, the actual windows were taped what? up, so there was no air ventilation whatsoever. The mold that was growing up by the windows was really quite horrific, and it just felt very oppressive, as if this was a place of unhealthiness. Wow. So this okay. is this is Simon's mom that's saying this. This is Simon's mom's statement on, like, the house Damn. having mold. Okay. Then it goes, Dr. Shepard stated, is a forensic pathologist that was featured in this documentary. So this is just, like one forensic pathologist's take mm-hmm. on the situation. The autopsy report shows that they didn't find any fungi, either in her bloodstream or in the sections of lung that they examined under the microscope. So mold and fungi haven't played a direct role in the death of Brittany. But living in poor housing conditions like that, it's likely to have had a debilitating effect 
and contributed to her infection and mm. death. She apparently was living in appalling conditions. That's that. Like, you know, there's no proof of mold being in either of their autopsies. But that being the case, that's I honestly hold on to it. Yeah, I do, too. I don't I genuinely don't think there is foul play. I think that they were living in a poor living conditions in Los Angeles and they both had underlying health conditions that might have just been aggravated by living in a home that had maybe it wasn't even mold. Maybe it was just honestly like, okay, this is me speculating, (laughs) but like, you know. Your mood can affect your health. Yeah, and if yeah. your setting is affecting your mood, True. that can debilitate environment your health. Environment is key, man. Environment is key. Yeah. Environment is key. So that's really all I have to say about her story. I think there is something that says like it's rare and usually impacts people with underlying health conditions. Got it. Got it. More often than not. Makes right? sense. Yeah. So first thing I want to mention is typically when there's any sort of like respiratory illness associated with mold, pneumonia can happen, but it's rare. So that would be called, that's something called fungal pneumonia and it does happen, but it's exactly how you'd expect it to happen. Spores get into your lungs and then it turns into pneumonia. Like the Mm -hmm. air sacs in your your lungs get filled with liquid because of how the spores are affecting them. So that's fungal pneumonia. But what's more common with black mold and getting sick from black mold, there's there's actually a bunch of different molds. Okay. So I don't even like to use the term black mold. I shouldn't have used it anyway, <laughs> but just mold in general. Yeah. The most common illness is hypersensitivity pneumonitis. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Pneumonitis, it's actually spelled similarly mm-hmm. to pneumonia. It just ends with And what hypersensitivity pneumonitis is, it's a rare lung disease caused by an immune system response to repeated inhalation of sensitizing substances such as bacteria, Mm -hmm. fungi, organic dust, and or chemicals. Organic dust? Yes. Organic dust as opposed to what? This sounds like a Whole Foods prank. I think what they say organic dust is what I'm trying to make clear is that hypersensitivity pneumonitis can happen from other stuff besides mold, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that organic <laughs> yeah. dust that they're talking about, they're talking about bird droppings because you can oh, actually really? get it from... There's a whole list on the CDC website of like, who are the people uh-huh. most at risk of this disease? And it's farmers, people who handle animals, including veterinarians, mm-hmm. people who process and load grains or flour, people who work in lumber mills, so that sawdust, or paper manufacturers... Ooh. They listed people who keep pet birds because bird droppings, that dust from the droppings can get into your lungs. Any allergens from humidifiers, heating systems, or air conditioners, especially if they're not cleaned properly, Mm. that all can cause hypersensitivity pneumonitis. Got it. Great explanation. Thank you, Megan. (laughs) Yeah. The question is, going back to the mold, Mm -hmm. is the mold toxic? Would we define that as toxic if it's causing essentially a lung lung disease? I I think it's toxic depending on who you are and your condition, your health conditions, basically. I would agree. Yeah. Like part of me originally is like, I wouldn't define that as toxic. I define that as it's literally physical things getting stuck in your lungs. And that's causing like this this chafing, this discomfort. And you can get scarring from pneumonitis as well, which causes shortness of breath, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't see it as toxic in a sense of like, you know, you get it and you're for sure going to die. Yeah, you're for sure going to yeah, die. No, it's not like that. Yeah. Also, there's acute pneumonitis. And then there's acute meaning like, this is where you might have inhaled a bunch of something and you feel symptoms right mm-hmm, away. Mm-hmm. So like, you'd be like coughing right away, like your chest is having a hard time breathing, blah, blah, blah. And then there's a sustained pneumonitis, which is small incremental inhalations over time Mm -hmm. where you probably don't notice anything until it's too late. So that's also like is where I kind of tie in the Brittany Murphy and Simon Monjack situation. I honestly don't know much about black mold either, but I really still I'm holding on to that theory with you, Megan. Like, I do think that's probably how they both died my only question then is the only thing that doesn't make sense to me is obviously the mom was 
older and yeah. not that she would be more susceptible but yeah. they obviously like Brittany Murphy clearly had some disease states that put her at a more vulnerable position to getting more sick and mm. clearly so did her husband if he got nine bouts of pneumonia and so on and so forth and then I look at the mom I'm like she didn't seem to have shown any of those symptoms while living there yeah. so that's that's a head scratcher for me yeah. but I'm, I'm still holding on to that theory yeah I, I feel ya like there's that hint of she did contract breast cancer at some point you know and she did live with them for quite some time Mm -hmm. yeah in a sense it's not a totally nice tied off loose end essentially but i'm just convinced that i wouldn't think she's capable of foul play given her super intimate relationship with her daughter This is a head scratcher. Ultimately, I really didn't want it to be a head scratcher. Like going into this, I was like, okay, there's going to be some hard evidence and I'm going to feel very confident on how I feel about this based on facts. (laughs) I would say I came out of it just as confused and still like there's just it's just not tied up and pretty. So for those of you Mm -hmm. who are listening and are like have a reinvigorated interest in Brittany Murphy's life, look into all this stuff. Tweet us to see like how you feel about this. Not that we're trying to rehash a family's trauma. But it is very interesting. In the end, I'm team mold. <laughs> team mold. I genuinely think that there might have been mold in that house. I do too. You know, I'm team mold as well yeah. because what the hell? Like, you got mama knows best. And then in this situation, yeah. Simon's mama knows best. Like, she knew what was up when she went into that house and was like, dude, they have not seen a breath of fresh yeah. air in 10 years. You know, like, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy, you know? And I was going to say, and me being, I'm not against what the initial coroner statements were. Like, I'm not against what the chief examiner said. I believe that they didn't find fungi or any of that in their system. Like, I'll believe those facts, but humans just try to fill the gaps, right? And so for my own sanity, I'm like, I'm just going to fill the gap with what I think is mold. No, it's totally true. (laughs) And that doesn't mean, just because we don't have a concrete yes or no, that doesn't mean that it's still not the case or that it wasn't that. I didn't know anything about that story and I think I was very engaged throughout that whole thing because that was it just it just went down another after another after yeah. another like different path all over the place so I like right. that yeah but sometimes at the end of the day it's just like it was just an accident it was accidental or it was yeah. something that they could not control which is their living conditions very similar to the carbon monoxide poisoning too yes exactly I, I did think about that story and I was like we're gonna have another one of these like sorry yeah. listeners there's no <laughs> gotcha moment or aha moment it's just a mystery in essence and if we're just assuming for a moment that it was the mold Mm -hmm. and that was confirmed let's just say that Mm -hmm. is also poisonous too in the sense that it doesn't have to always be this like vibrant i don't know eye-catching title that is causing this toxin or poison and and killing everyone off all at once you know sometimes it's even like the most mundane like something that's just slowly growing around you and is chronically killing you over time potentially Mm -hmm. and it's just things that are in our everyday life that we just don't pay attention to as much but we should yeah absolutely get your house checked guys yeah this this has been another psa (laughs) PSA. of like check your homes not only for your carbon monoxide detectors but for black mold not black mold any sort of mold clean all your ventilation because you could get hypersensitivity pneumonitis from any sort of dust Mm -hmm. apparently yeah which on that note harini you'd be happy to hear i was talking to my good buddy ben ben he messaged me on instagram and he was like you guys your psa about carbon monoxide detectors is very good like because ben is a ben actually is a landlord he has a couple tenants And he was like, yeah, people need to be on top mm-hmm. of that. It's really scary the potential of like your tenants passing away because they didn't know they had a defunct carbon monoxide detector and thus they didn't tell you. So like, so we got some listeners out there who appreciate <laughs> our, our messaging. I'm glad. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. All right, Megan, thank you for that story. And so on that note, I think we are ready to head into our antidotes. So I will go first. My antidote, I actually have a good one this week. Yay. Our good friend Drew, who you guys know now, our poison pals know him. He did our episode 11 about anthrax. I hung out with Drew last night and we just had the best time. And things have just finally started to open up in San Francisco, obviously like in safe parameters. Mm-hmm. But me and Drew were like, you know, let's 
let's get some fried chicken sandwiches. Yes. Let's get some fried chicken sandwiches. We got them from Brenda's Meat and Three, which is a really amazing soul food place in the city in San Francisco. I highly recommend if you guys are ever in the city and want to try something new. And then we walked down to an outdoor brewery. It was kind of nice because not really anyone was there. So it was really mm-hmm. safe for us to just like hang. And we were hanging outside, got some beers and just laughed all night. And then we <laughs> bumped some music back to the car over and listened to some Kim Petras all the yes. way at 100. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Love it. It was so fun. Work has been really intense. I go into work. I leave my home when it's dark and I come home when it's dark just because my days are just so long because of the commute. So mm-hmm. I don't really have much time to do anything else when I get home. So I like really was like craving having some like social aspect to my life. It was just so fun to just like hang out with somebody and just let loose. So yeah, really awesome night. That's dope. Aww. I have severe FOMO, but I, I like I'm not a I'm I'm not offended. Like don't feel bad for me that I have FOMO. Know we that we were missing Megan severely during that time. We were we were texting her and like sending pictures. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm living from a distance. Like I love that you all are hanging out and having fun and I'll be there. I'll be up there soon to hang out. The song we were dancing to and just like having a good time to was a song that Megan had texted us right as we got in our car actually. And it was like perfect. Let's play this and be thinking of Megan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like, super fun. For our poison pals like we have stated this many times, but Harini, Drew, and I, we are all very close, close friends. Mm-hmm. So I knew they were hanging out together. So that's why I texted them. I was like, yeah. you guys, I know you're hanging out. Here's a bop <laughs> to bop along yes. to. Like, get your groove yeah, on. Yeah, it was awesome. And we did. <laughs> I love it. For me, my antidote, <laughs> my mind was blanking. I was like, my Mithridate? <laughs> my antidote. My antidote was actually today, I did a quick day trip up to Los Angeles mm. to see an old roommate of mine. She had invited me a couple days back to do a like a scavenger hunt oh, in the fun. city. And it's one of those cool app-based scavenger hunts yeah. where you become detectives through the app yeah. and then you go to certain locations and then you solve riddles and stuff mm-hmm. together. So it was me, my old roommate, her sister, and her sister's boyfriend, mm-hmm. and we just went to downtown LA, wow. and we went and just played this like cool app detective That's game, dope. and you could see other groups kind oh, of like in the vicinity okay. also like trying to solve questions, but I'm proud of us. We got ninth place nice. on the leaderboard out of 25 plus teams, Damn, so I was like, hell that yeah. good. I mean, we, we honestly did it so casually. Like, we weren't <laughs> running to location. We were like, let's just take right, our right, time, right. but it was fun. I'd highly recommend. I'm very lucky to have done it for free because mm. they, they paid for Aww. me, which was very nice of them. If you're looking for like a group activity and you want to split the yeah. cost on something, like, I don't know, I think it was like 65 bucks. I'm not trying to put an advertisement yeah but like it was something so different and it was fun to do outside everyone's wearing mm-hmm. masks obviously it's a good date yeah. idea too in my opinion like i saw some couples walking around i'm like yeah like be sleuths <laughs> together like that's cool be sleuths together. i love that i think yeah. i want to do that that sounds fun i'm sure they have some hosted up in san francisco yeah. okay yeah so that's All it right. so guys next week we'll be going into my episode but until next time megan don't risk it for that moldy ass biscuit. Oh, hell no. Bow, 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 bow. All right, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Oh, and please rate and review. <laughs> yes. Okay. People have been leaving really amazing reviews. Thank you so much. It touches our heart. <laughs> we love you, poison pals. Right. Thanks for all love the love. You. See you next time. Goodbye. Good <laughs> Bye.